before we get started, um, this was a long week. This was a quite grievous week for Gateway. Um, I am sure that uh, Dr. Hoff, her absence, her death is rather surprising. Um, and I know it's probably hitting some of you differently. Some of you, it might not be hitting you at all. Some of you, it might be hitting harder than others. And so kind of before we begin uh, together, let's sort of just enjoy uh, uh, just kind of a time of silence, time of uh, uh, quiet prayers, even amongst your own soul, quietly. And then I'll, I'll pray for us before we begin class. So just kind of a few things to, to remember. Remember um, the Hoff family. Uh, remember um, those that were connected to her. Even people that she was mentoring. Um, so I've had a few conversations with those that she was mentoring. And it, 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 it's really hard on them. The grief is unbearable at times. And so just kind of spend a few moments um, praying for her family and may her soul rest in eternal peace with Christ. Uh, spend a few moments. Lord, we, we pray. We pray, sometimes not even knowing how to say, what to say, how to feel. Um, in this moment, death grieves us, O oh Lord. Death grieves us even though you have triumphed over death. We still fear it. We still <clears throat> don't want it even though you have conquered all of death. Father, we pray, we pray for the Hoff family, those to whom uh, she was ministering, uh, those to whom she was mentoring. We pray for their grief. We pray for their sorrow and ask, Lord, in these moments that you meet them intimately, we rest in you, O Lord. Even when we don't feel it, even when we're struggling, help us to rest in you, O Lord. We pray, we pray that we rest in you as our shepherd who leads us up to green pastures, who causes us to lie down in your presence. O God, help us, we pray. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. What are we starting today? I think it's Colossians. Let me double check. I think it's Colossians, then Ephesians. Let me just double check. Uh, only, only because Colossians is a little bit easier. Let me just double check. 
that were conflicted. Yeah, Colossians 1 and 2. And then Ephesians, that's what I thought I did. Colossians is, is a bit easier than uh, Ephesians. Okay, uh, can we find it? First off, can we find it? Yep, give me a page number, 612. Good. Okay, we're there. All right. Start us off. Two verses. Yep, good. Okay, give me those. Almost there, almost there. Colossians 1. Uh, I'm going to press you now to read two verses at a time. I want you to read two verses at a time. I'm anticipating and I'm assuming you're reading these chapters as homework, right? This is not the first time that you're doing your reading. That should not be the case. You should be doing readings every day or the good majority of the week. When you sit down to study, you should be doing some kind of readings. Go ahead. Two verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, through the will of God, that's a very literal translation. Yep. And Timotheos. Timothy, what is he? Yeah, Timothy, a brother. Tois in Colossus, Colossus. To those where? In Colossae. To those Hagios. Yep, to those who are saints and Pistois. Yep. So this is, this is an example where an article is modifying an adjective to the ones who are faithful. But we have a noun, Adele Voice. 
Whenever you see a plural of Adelphos, what should you assume? Brothers and sisters. Two, the brothers and sisters who are holy and faithful in Colossae. See how I translated that? Okay, keep rolling. Yep. From where? From God, the Father of, of us, of our God, the Father. Good. Two more verses. Uh, good work. ice in uh, chapter nine. So is that one that we learned? Okay. Ice with what type of object there? What type of object? Is it what case is it? It's accusative. Good. Yeah, it's accusative plural. So let's translate this. Let's translate this. Ekaristumen. The Eucharist, this is the verb form. You see eumen, which tells you it's what person and what number? Eumen. What's the men? Oh, we haven't learned men. No, 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 amen, amen. We've learned this, amen. What's the amen ending? First person plural. We give thanks to whom? To God the Father, to Kiryu, Hamon, of our Lord. Now it's a genitival string. So it's a string of genitives. To our Lord Jesus Christ. Pantote. It's an adverb. Always. Always. Now we have an odd phrase. We have yet to learn participles. 
praying, always praying concerning you. Akusantes, akuo, what is akuo? To hear. Having heard, what did they hear? Tain pistin. The faith, your faith, that's right. Where? In Christ. Okay, so this is going to be, this is something that's hard to teach. This is something that's hard to teach. Notice in Christ of Jesus would be a very strict translation. You'll never translate it that way. In Christ Jesus. Why is it not in the dative? <laughs> no clue. I have no clue. But this is so common in Christ Jesus. That common phrase, it appears like this all the time. Having heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and what? Your love, which you have, where? Yeah, so ice with an accusative is on behalf of or for, not through or not into, which you have for all, all the saints. There it is. Good. Good. Two more verses. Yep, five and six.
pounded out, but the first reading was super choppy. Omicrons are soft, omegas are long. Excellent. So I'm not going to translate this one because there's a lot of kind of odd terms in there. Excellent job, all three of you. Look at the end. Uh, sorry, look at the middle of verse five right there. Pra e kusate. Okay, do you see it? Everyone see it? Okay, but hold your finger there, and I'm going to ask a question about that term in a moment. We now know two types of endings, right? Primary one secondary, uh, sorry, primary active, secondary active. Go ahead and give me the endings of primary one. We can give them all together. So I'll start us out. O, yep, ace, what's next? A, okay, we gotta do this quicker. Okay, we're week five into, the, uh, we're week five into this. This was now two weeks ago. We gotta do this a little bit quicker. O, ace, A, amen. Say that again, ete, yep, good, ete. Usi, with what? Movable new, excellent job. Now we are going to do the second, the second uh, 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 secondary active. I'll let you connect it with the aorist tense sign. So we have sa, sas, Say. Salmon. Sate. Sam. Oops. Good. Good. This right here is also a movable new. Okay, the same. There's, there's going to be a movable new every now and again there. Okay. <clears throat> when? Yep. A and B. Yep, A and B. All it is is you're going to memorize this full chart. Yep, yep. So we could call this A, B, 
and then C and D. Yeah, that's what that's going to turn into. Okay, when we're talking about verbs, when we're talking about verbs, give me the breakdown. What do we do? So we're going to start off with the verbal form. That's what we see in the text. And then what do we start with? How do we break this down? What's the first item? Augment or augment or redupe. Good. What comes next? The verbal stem. The verbal stem. What comes next? Not connecting that. What's connecting? To, yep. Verbal, uh, uh, the, the uh, tense formative. Tense formative. And then connecting vowel. I knew that it was over here. Connecting vowel. Now what after this? It's endings. But it's the endings without, like those are like the odd endings, right? Remember how Decker teaches you two endings. He teaches you what's the natural endings, and then he'll teach you the, the morphological endings that you'll end up seeing. When we deal with the present, when we deal with the present, is there an augment or redo? No. Do we have a stem? So yes, we have a verb stem. Do we have a tense formative? No. Do we have a connecting vowel? What are they? Yes, Omicron, Epsilon, and then uh, uh, the uh, a, active, uh, a primary endings. So that's category one. When we have the aorist, augment or redupe, yes or no? Yes. We then obviously have a verbal stem. Do we have a tense formative? What is it? Sigma, then connected to what vowel? Sa. Good work. Then what type of endings? B, primary endings. Okay. So here's now a trick question. Yeah, you're welcome. Yes, there is a connecting vowel. Tense formative is a sigma, connecting vowel is an A. Parse this. Oh my goodness. Hello. Parse this. I know. That's right. So from the saute, you should be able to know it. What does the sa tell us? Aorist. What's our voice and mood? Obviously, we only know two. I wouldn't ask you a middle subjunctive yet. <laughs> so it's going to be aorist, active, indicative, person and number. Yep, second person plural. What's the stem? Yes. 
Notice where the augmentation happens. Pra right here is a preposition. Greeks will throw, uh, the Greek language throws the preposition at the front of a word. It's non-translated, but it actually changes the meaning of the verb. Pra-akuo is our actual term. The augmentation happens right there. That's the augment. So the alpha lengthens to an eta. Pra means before. So what does this word mean? Yep. You all, as you all, as you, uh, sorry, you have heard. As you have heard before, probably something like that. So in the text, hein pra, uh, pra e kusate, which you have heard before in the word of truth, which is the gospel. You see that? Let me start on over. Everyone find, find the verb. Find the verb that I'm talking about. Pra e kusate, right? Hain, which you have heard before. Where did you hear it? In the word, in lagas, the word, the word of what? The word of truth. And now another genitive, most likely a genitive of apposition, meaning it's a genitive that renames what precedes it in the word of truth, which is what? The gospel. Okay, question. Yep. What the pro is, what because it's a because it's a, it's a, it's a prefix to it. The augmentation or reduplication is going to happen after that. Main verb. Akuo. Right? Akuo is your primary verb. Our stem is aku. Right? We then add the sigma. We then add the alpha. We then add the ending te. But because it's an aorist active indicative, that means we're doing something up here. It lengthens. Because it's already an alpha. So how did we get there? How did we get there? Right? It begins with an alpha plus what vowel? Epsilon. All aorists have an epsilon. That then lengthens to an eta. Yep. 
Yep. Do genitives, datives, accusatives, nothing. Yep. So prepositions, if they're prefixed to verbs, it's then a it it creates a verbal idea. And the verbal idea is to hear before. But prepositions will often create a prepositional phrase than with nouns and adjectives. All the way through. So, irrespective of the prop. Right. So, coming back here, right, the akuo. Let's go ahead and break this down. Stem is aku. Give me the full present paradigm right here. Present active indicative. What would we do? Akuo. Ah, uh, oh yeah. I'm curious to know if something happens right there. Yeah, I I, I bet something's going to happen right there. I would need to, I would need to look that up. And then what's next? Akue. What comes next? Yeah, ah, ku ah, men. Ah. Uh, Again, I'm, I'm curious to know if something happens here with the crashing of the vowels. I would need to look it up. I don't know on the spot. Aku what? Aku sen. It's very possible that fully drops out. Aku sen. I, I, it's a guess. Right, you start learning patterns how things will just naturally fall off or they'll lengthen. So now what happens over here at the aorist? What happens over here at the aorist? Yeah, because we have to, we have an augment and the augment is going to be an eta plus an alpha, which lengthens to an, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, an epsilon to an alpha, lengthens to an eta. A ku sa a ku sa uh, sas so forth and so on. Give me the endings. Go to go to finish. So a ku sa a ku sas a ku say with a movable new possibly a ku say it again Samen, yep. Eku sate. Eku san. Eku san. Okay, excellent job. What, which part do we not understand? Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly what that means. Yeah, no. That's so good. Okay, take your books out. Take your books out. Take your books out. I want to run through by means of review eight and then into nine because it's really simple chapters that we can push together. Conjunctions, chapter eight. I'm just going to do this really quick. Within 10 minutes, we're going to go through chapter eight real quick.
I want to explain just a couple of items here. Chapter eight, conjunctions. Page 132. Page 132. Okay, so with conjunctions, conjunctions are small words, small single words that join together clauses. Clauses. Conjunctions join together clauses. So when we have various clauses, you're going to have a primary clause, which could also be called a main or inde uh, independent clause. Let's go back to grammar 101. An independent clause is a sentence. An independent clause is a single clause that can function as a complete sentence. It has a subject and it has a verb. That's enough, right? That would be enough. A subordinate or a dependent clause cannot stand on its own and therefore needs an independent clause. Conjunctions can join together an independent and an independent or an independent and a, uh, a subordinate. So let's figure out the types of conjunctions. Chi, 8.8. .8. This is the most reoccurring conjunction you will see. Chi, next term, we're gonna get into a little bit deeper what that means. Remind me the difference between semester one and semester two. What's the difference? Form first and then function. All I want you to do is be able to recognize it and then give me a quick translation. Remember not to confuse translation with exegesis. Translation does not mean you're doing exegesis. You're doing exegesis when you can say, what is the function of these terms, these clauses, this discourse? That then is exegesis. And that's where we're going to be doing term two. Okay, so Kai. Kai is a simple and connector. It's a linking uh, conjunction. It can sometimes be contrastive. Sometimes can be contrastive. So it's not always a progressive, this and this. It sometimes can do this, but this. Uh, uh, context will help determine that. You'll feel this in, in, the, in, in your translations as, as, you're, as you're walking through this. Uh, 8.9, de. 8.9, uh, top, of, uh, top of 138. De. It is a post-positive. What is a post-positive? Yep. In a clause, it's going to be a post-positive, which means it's going to be the second or third word and often translated first. It's going to be the second or first, uh, second or third word, and yet it will be translated first. Uh, day uh, has a discourse function that we're going to get into next term, as all that you need to know right now is that it can be contrastive, it can be contrastive, and it can be a progressive marker. This, then this, then this, then this. So it's a progressor. 8.10, 
Hati, hati, that, that. Often you will hear me say that's a causal hati, which means there's a first clause and then you have an idea of so that, right? It's causal, which telling you that it's a dependent on the first idea. Direct discourse. What is direct discourse? What is direct discourse? She said, quote, what? I don't know. Pick something. I love cats. Perfect. She said, quote, I love cats. So that's a direct clause. That is a direct, uh, sorry, a direct discourse. Indirect discourse is she says that she likes cats. Gar. Gar. 8.11. 8.11. Another subordinating conjunction that denotes the concept of for denotes the subordinating conjunction, denotes a subordinating conjunction that marks four. This is often where you're gonna see arguments or thoughts or ideas developed. This and this and this for, this and this and this. So the concept of for there's gonna be a, a conjunction that develops. 8.12. Henna, henna, different than hati, but it's, it denotes either in order that or a result that. In order that, or with the result that. I went to the store that I might get ice cream. I'm really craving cold stone. Wouldn't mind a little, little batch right now. Yeah, do you know what my favorite one is? Did I say it in here or is it in my church history? That's twice now that I'm craving ice cream, Ben. Strawberries with uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. I love it. So bizarre. That's exactly what my wife says. Totally makes fun of me. <clears throat> look up there. Eight. Uh, look up there at top of page one forty-one. So an, a henna can denote purpose, but a henna can denote result. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath with the result that the law of Moses should be broken. Do you see what we're doing here in chapter eight? Are we doing grammar questions or are we doing exegesis questions? This is exegesis. Tell me why. Not the meaning. What are the two, the two F's that I've been using? 
We're looking at the function. Yes, it has the concept of meaning, but I think the meaning can get uh, uh, washed asunder with the concept of the meaning of a gloss, right? So it just needs to be a little bit sharper. Allah, 813, Allah, contrastive. But, yep, but. A usas autas, sorry, yeah, a usus autas uk baptizame. Jesus was not, did not baptize himself, Allah, but. But his disciples baptized. Un, 8.14. Un, 8.14. Similar to some previous conjunctions. Similar to some previous conjunctions. Un is, in, uh, un is used to draw inferences. Then or therefore. Then or therefore. It's meant to draw inferences. I will keep pointing these out as we read. I am sure that you've already seen me point out a number of these already as we're reading through 1 John. 151, hand over the possible glosses. 151, hand over the possible glosses. Aeon? No, that's Ion. Yeah. Yep, if when? Aos? Yep, until? When it's uh, as a conjunction, until, uh, or as far as if it's with the genitive. So aeos can be a conjunction or it can be a preposition. Not all of them are like this, right? This is, this is sort of a, an exceptional one, okay? Uh, ude or ute. Uh, this is gonna be really helpful. De is a conjunction. Te is a conjunction. And or but. And not, but not. Right, so it crashes together two words. Oste. Yep, so that are for this reason. Dio. Therefore, flip over page 152. Hapos. 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 Victoria, what do we have? Hapos. Yep, good. Suke. Yep, yep, life, life or soul. Uh, someone decline this, suke. Decline it, meaning nominative through accusative, singular and plural. Suke, suke, keep going. So Ken, yep, yep, so the alpha, iota, yep, Sukai. Sukon. Sukais, right, because it has the iota circumflex. 
Sukas. Yep, Sukas. Uh, Haras. Way. Uh, exousia, there's a purposeful skip. So sometimes, sometimes you'll catch yourself. If you wrote vocab in order, you'll start to memorize the order, not the word itself. So that was a purposeful skip. Yep, good. Uh, technon, good. Aftamas, good. Oikia. House, oh, good. Our, uh, uh, yes, management or uh, stewardship, and then an actual house structure. Structure would probably be oikos. Oikia is going to be probably more of management of a home. So even though this says house, notice what also it says within the household or the concept of a family within the home, where oikos is more or less going to be the structural frame. Oh, 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 meganoita, that, that word? Yeah, so that's gonna be spelled like this. May genoi genoita. Is that what you're referencing? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So it's it it has a similar similar set of vowels. Oi ta, not oi ka. Right. Yep. Good. Uh. Apostolos, good. 9.1, preposition. 9.1, prepositions. Professor? Yes. There's a question, can you repeat it so that we don't just get some weird random answers? Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for the weekly reminder. <laughs> I really appreciate it, Alan. It's all me. Okay, prepositions. So when we have a preposition, I need you to get used to, need you to get used to me asking this question. Where's the preposition? Where's the object of the preposition? What's the prepositional phrase? Where's the preposition? Where's the object? Oops, hold on. Where's the object of the preposition? Where's the prepositional phrase? Every preposition, every preposition ought to have an object. And I don't mean an accusative object. I mean its modifier, right? I mean its modifier. What does the preposition modify to create the phrase. So I wanna know where's the preposition, where's the object of the preposition, pull back, where's the prepositional phrase, okay? Um, as we navigate with
prepositions, there are two types of prepositions. Not in terms of form, but in terms of function. There are going to be two types. Spatial and adverbial. Spatial and adverbial. For example, for example, flip on over to page, there it is, 167. Dia, dia plus a genitive equals what? What's that, what's the phrase there? Through, I walk through the door. So page 167, looking at the vocab, Page 167, looking at the vocab. Dia plus a genitive is going to have a spatial notion. However, dia plus a uh, plus an accusative has what function? It's adverbial and means what? Because of, on account of. Because of, on account of. So that's going to have an adverbial element to that. I walk, uh, I, I, here's what it could be. I walk through the door on account of a dog. I could have used dia via right there. I walked dia genitive door via accusative dog. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's right. Through the door on a, or through the door on account of the dog. So one is asking the question in terms of spatial relation. One is answering the question how, why, or where. Okay, nine, uh, uh, nine point two, nine point two. How do you know? Uh, let's do something different. Let's do something different. I like this one better. 158, 9.7. I like this image better. Here's a visual representation of the prepositions. Prepositions are going to give you nightmares. It's very true. It's very true. Um, often, I remember when I learned Hebrew, the image our professor showed us was a rat or a mouse with cheese, like Swiss cheese. Could the mouse be on the cheese, in the cheese, through the cheese, under the cheese, side the cheese, around the cheese, right? All of those are spatial. So same here, the worm in relation to the apple. Is it on the apple, around the apple, under the apple, through the apple, on top of the apple, with the apple. So all the way up at the top, huper plus an accusative conveys the idea of above, beyond. Apo from the genitive conveys what? Yeah, jumping from the apple. 
So away from the apple. At B plus a genitive conveys what? Against. He's leaning against the stem. Um, do you see peri? Peri plus, a, plus a, an accusative conveys what? Around. Ice plus an accusative conveys what? Goes into, where a d in plus a dative conveys what? Okay. In stative or in, as in movement. Uh, someone can be in Christ. It's gonna be very stative. That's gonna be an in Chris, uh, uh, Christi. Where in uh, uh, plus the accusative ice right here, meaning you're going into something. Right, there's movement into something. Very much so, very much so. The worm is in the apple. It's purely descriptive. Where the worm is going into the apple has movement. So you see the subtle, it's real subtle, really subtle. Really, really subtle. Uh, 9.4, going back just a little bit, 9.4, where you see in, epi, and ace. These are really helpful to show you how even the meanings of prepositions overlap uh, uh, a little bit. Let's do flip on over to page one sixty six. So now that we have the preposition sheet essentially right here. I want you to tell me what genitive it is. I'm sorry, what preposition it is modified with what case and determine its meaning. Okay, so palos apostolos Christu. Everyone see where I'm at? 920, top of 166. Palos apostolos Christu Yesu. Preposition plus what case? Preposition plus what case? This is a genitive. Oh, this is a third declension. We're learning third declension later, later tonight. So it's a third declension genitive. Diathelmata, so what's the meaning? Through 
the will of God, kai Timotheos ha adelphois. Now notice this, tois in Colossus aga aga agiois kai pistois adelphois. Where's the preposition? Where's the object of the preposition? What's the prepositional phrase? Okay, so why is it not in Colossus? Why is it not just in Colossus? Here's the phrase, to the ones who are holy and faithful brothers and sisters, the preposition is in, the object of the preposition is colossus. that's the prepositional phrase. And it's embedded into an articular clause. You have an article, then the prepositional phrase, then the completion of the article phrase. Because it's an article modifying uh, um, adjectives. We see that, or are we totally lost? Go ahead. Are we familiar with stick diagramming? Have we done stick diagramming at all before? Okay, not a problem. Yep, not a problem. Okay, so let me show you what's gonna be modifying one another. Uh, to the, right, so this is toys, uh, brothers and sisters, right? That is bound up in the Adelphois, right? So this is your phrase, right? That's your phrase. What type of brothers and sisters? Uh, they are holy. What else are they? They are faithful. What else are they? In Colossae. So this right here is your phrase. Tois adelphois. And then everything in the middle of it is all going to be modifying brothers and sisters. See how that, see how that works? Are you with me? Okay. Maybe, Sandy. Yep. You wrote it all in English. So I understand what you wrote, but I'm not sure how it relates. So right here's voice. Voice. Dot 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 dot. Adele voice. Adele voice. You see that? Toys Adele voice is that top line. So the marker toys is modifying 
multiple words later, a Delphois. And it's creating a whole phrase. Yep, this is an articular phrase. So it's an, artic it's, it's an article with a substantive. And then you have modifiers sandwiched all in between it. In Colossae, faithful and holy. Didn't completely throw out, but um, you're paying less, with less attention to word order because this is not an analytical paradigm, right? With prepositions, do they more often than not do they right before a preposition will always before the word it modifies? That's right. So it's not like the toys before the end, the end then like can be come back. No, no, no. In is always going to modify that which goes right after that. That's exactly right. So this right here. Not the declensions, could it? Because it could be a second declension adjective with a third declension word. It's always going to follow gender, case, and member. Yeah. So because you have the article and then the native plural, and then you don't have a native plural now, that's the end. That's what creates the phrase of the meter. Okay, so I know I'm waiting, so anything other than that is not, it's just kind of adding, building. So Alan, so what, what was just said was, if we have toys uh, and it modifies a Delphois later, all the words, so this was phrased in the question. So does that mean all the words leading up to the primary noun that toys is modifying, all these other words are then modifiers? The answer is yes. Yep, that's right. There is one more question. Did the, does the preposition, um, what does the preposition modify? Uh, and it always modifies that which comes after it. So a preposition will appear and then it's modifiers right there. Or, it, but if it's a little later, it's going to, it's going to do something similar to this and create a phrasal idea. This right here. So in is our preposition. Colossae is our object of the preposition. This right here is solely our prepositional phrase. So let's start. Nope. Toys is not the preposition. Okay, so we have toys. What do we have? Toys in uh, co. La size. Uh, I'm going to do shorthand. Agiois, Kai, Pistois, uh, uh, Del, 
voice. Are you with me? So this choice is connected and modifying that noun right there. This right here is your preposition and your prepositional phrase. So I'm just gonna put it in brackets. That's our prepositional phrase. Now we have agios kai pistois, pistais. Those are uh, pistois. Those are adjectives that modify a delphois. Yeah, so now the question is, how do we translate this? I would probably translate it to the holy and faithful brothers and sisters who are in Colossae. Sound okay? Sound okay? All right, uh, let's keep going just a little bit more. Uh, in Christo, preposition, its case, In Christo, what are our possible meanings? It's going to be the state of idea who are now in Christ. Grace and peace to you. Apa theu patras. Hemon. Where's the preposition? What's the uh, modifier? Does, uh, what's the substantive or what's the object of the preposition? Which one is it? Is it from God, from the Father, or from us? From God is going to be the direct phrase, but because it's a genitival string, because it's a genitival string, you're going to keep all of this together. So it's going to look something like this. From God, right? So here's your preposition. Here's your object of preposition. Now we have modifiers. From God, the Father of ours. but you want to keep these items with it. But this right here is the prepositional phrase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Alan, the question was, so what's the prepositional phrase, right? Is it, does it include father or ours? No, but you do want to keep it pretty close together. But the proper prepositional phrase is from God. Yep, go ahead. Father, yeah, no, 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 not, not this, not, not there. Uh, and that is because when you have a personal pronoun, 
that is in the genitive, it's often possessive. So that is going to be translated last. That's going to be pretty normal. We don't want to set it as our default, but that is going to be normal. So we now have to wrestle with, is it from God or is it from the Father? We could say from the Father, our God, but it, I don't, that doesn't seem to reflect the, the, the Greek order here. So it is from God, comma, the Father, comma, ours. From the God and Father, from the God, our Father. Okay, we've been, go ahead, go ahead. Say that one more time. Genitive. Uh, and we're looking now for the genitive. Theo is a genitive. Patras is a third declension genitive. Theo, patras. So both of those are genitives. And then you have hemon, which is a genitive. Right? So this is going to be a genitival string, is what we're going to call this. Genitival string. So a, a very literal translation would be from God of the father of us. So now we have to interpret the ofs from the God, which is the father of us. Now, more specifically from God, our father. And all of those can be supported by the concept of what a genitive does. So remember, these two chapters, this is why I want to throw them together. <clears throat> what is the difference between grammar and exegesis? Grammar looks at form, exegesis does what? And it, you start burning brain cells. You start burning brain cells. If your brain is just like on overload, hey, welcome to the club. You have now arrived. Five weeks in, we are doing little amounts of exegesis. We're going to keep rolling. I'm going to keep pressing you from behind. Say, come on, we're going to, we got a little bit more to do. we got a little bit more to do. we got a little bit more to do. Why? Let's just put, let's put the big picture together. Let's put the big picture together. Because at some point, at some point, your church is going to ask you, what does this text mean? And you need to be able to give them a textual answer. Not something that jumps up above the text to just talk theology. No, they're asking about this text in this, in this space. So what you are doing right now, you are laboring hard for that family in four years that is going to approach you and say, I don't know what this text means. You're laboring hard now because you're going to step in a pulpit eventually and the church is going to look at you and say, the text didn't mean that. Where did you get that? And you have to say, can I patiently show you how I got there? This is why it takes three hours 
to study one verse because I want to teach you how to, I want to show you how to ask the why and the function questions. Once we start answering the why and the function questions, you're doing exegesis, right? That's the exegesis, the exegetical process. If you step into the pulpit, never looking at an original language, you don't know what the text means to the fullest. I didn't say you can't understand the text. That is not what I said. Right? The grandma who's sitting in front of you, the grandpa who's sitting in front of you, who've been Christians for 50 years, didn't even know that the New Testament was written in Greek. They can still understand the text. But what you're going to be able to do is you're going to be able to step in a little bit tighter with them and say, this is what the text means. Okay? That's why we're laboring right now to try to put a little fire underneath you. We don't just ask exegesis questions because we want to know what grammar is. We want to ask exegetical questions because there are going to be families sitting in front of you and their life hangs in the balance. Why is this an heiress? It's going to affect how you explain the text to them. Okay, let's take a quick fiber. Okay. Take a quick five.